Access more. It's about time because we're going there. Hi, family. My name is Bianca Waters Oltoff, and I'm the host of We're Going There. In light of International Women's Month, I am highlighting some international voices that bring some dynamics to the podcast that we haven't heard before. Today, we get to have a conversation with a dear friend of mine, Havla Cunnington. We actually met a long time ago randomly because of a YouTube video. Yes, shout out to social media and making friendships in the online world be friendships in the real world. A long story short, we connected at a conference that she was speaking at locally after she reached out to me and she saw a YouTube of me teaching at my dad's church back in the day. Well, here we are years later. Our families have grown, ministries have grown, and this voice, this woman, has really brought to light how to hear God and made it so clear, not just for myself, but for so many others. I'm grateful for this woman. I'm grateful for her voice. I'm grateful for what she is building in the church and how so many lives are being impacted by the resources she's creating. For more information on Havla, there is a link in the show notes, ways that you can buy her resources and also listen to her podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoy Havla Cunnington. Okay, on the show today, Havla, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so <laughs> we have this um, background story kind of reference point. You're a twin, I'm a twin. And I, I feel like in, in this weird, odd place and space and time, we are very similar. So we're like Bible twins, okay? You have a legitimate <laughs> twin. I have a legitimate twin. But for those that are tuning in and listening, can you give us a quick little bio and, of course, include the fun fact that you're a twin? Um, I already gave a formal bio, but I want to know a little bit about kind of like what's new, what's happening now that maybe people that follow you on social media or have heard you speak at events may not know. We want the tea, have. Okay. Um, so yes, I'm in Northern California. I'm a mom of four boys, four wild boys that are 16 to 10. So we are in the can't get enough food in the house slash <laughs> sports games slash um, the entitlement stage of, of parenting at that higher level. But I am married to the love of my life, Ben Cunnington. And we mostly, uh, you know, do the mom thing and the dad thing. And every once in a while we get to travel and teach and just be a mom and be a wife and be a minister, all those things. Okay, Havla, I know how humble you are. And even in what you say that you do, it is wonderful and very true, but there's a whole other side of you. You are a pastor, you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you're a creative. Even before this interview started, you and I were talking about all the resources that you create. You help people dream big, you help people do hard things, you help people hear the voice of God. As we dive into this conversation interview, I just want to get a little piece of your heart to be revealed to those that are listening. So you're going to give us a lot of great information and we get to learn more about you, but I'm just always fascinated with the why. You create resources. You love helping and building the church. Where did this come from and why did this start? It's a good question. I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we all set out to end up where we are, but for me, I, I think I had an aha moment a couple, many, probably like 10 years ago where I realized I grew up in a minister's home, but my dad came from a very successful and educated family. And I was very much used to being around people that had a high academic value for, you know, places that are of education. And here I was a girl that at third grade found out that I had learning disabilities. I was dyslexic. I have reading comprehension issues. And I have ADHD. So add all that in and school was not great for me. And at first it didn't feel like a big deal, but 
eventually it came to in high school that I could not read out loud and you could not read my handwriting. And I was so scared that people would find out that I was illiterate in this very highly educated family. And I remember just spending so much energy hiding and feeling so lost, like sitting in class and it felt like everybody knew what was going on but me. And so when I gave my life to Christ at 17 wholeheartedly, and I started to to live for God and just said, I'll do whatever, I started to think about the people that are sitting in our churches or that know us that just don't know what's going on. They're sitting in our seats and they don't know what we mean. They're lost and no one is saying what they mean is this. And so I think out of my pain, I thought, you know, no one helped me in in Mm. school but I can help a whole lot of people in church understand what we're talking about. So it really came out of pain and that turned into a purpose and it, it caused me to work hard to figure that, figure it out. And I also had to kind of overcome the fact that what I was going to contribute wasn't going to be highly academic. It wasn't going to be Mm. profound, but it was practical and it was Mm. lifestyle and it was giving people a place to start. So that's kind of how it started. Okay. I want to talk about Um, you have this innate ability to cast vision for people who maybe feel like God doesn't have a plan for their life, or maybe they just feel a little bit lost. I know coming out of 2020, 2021, heck, 2022, I feel like it was kind of like this big reset and wiping the slate clean. And a lot of people kind of reevaluating their relationships, uh, their faith, uh, their marriage, their job, their calling. You recently came out with a resource, I Dream Big. And for somebody out there that just feels like, I've lost my ability to dream. Can you take people through like what started that for you and what language, what handles are you giving people who feel like, how do I dream again and how do I dream big? Right? So um, when I went to write this Bible study, so I I lead a Bible study every January. And we've been doing it. This was our 10th year that we've led women. Congrats. And, oh my gosh, I didn't And it started out really years. small and now it's, yeah, wow. 10 years. And so it started out with like, you know, six, a couple, maybe a couple thousand online. And then it it grew to 25,000 a year that joined us from all over the world, like different nations. And it's very cool. And, um, so we kind of have this big meetup in January where we do a Bible study together. We set the year straight. And then, um, that's really my, my one contribution in that space. Um, so every kind of the fall season, I really start thinking, what do I want to put out? What am I going to write? And it's not super deep, but it's practical and it's short and it's to the point. So God started talking to me about what we're going to talk about in January. And he said, I want you to talk about dreaming. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't actually want to talk about dreaming. I went through 2020, 2021, 2022 personally was not a great year for me. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't want to repeat 2022. Yeah. And so there was a part of me that let's talk about pain. Let's talk about overcoming discouragement. Let's talk about when things don't happen the way we hope, hope they would. And I, I wanted to go back into that season and God was like, but if you don't dream, then you're not acting like me. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? He goes, well, you, you came from a long line of dreamers from Abraham to Moses, to the different men to, you know, Noah these guys were dreaming and they they were going on journeys with me and that's your lineage. And if you're not dreaming, then you're not living in your full DNA or God DNA. So I said, okay, then talk to me about this. So we started to unpack dreaming big and it's called I Dream Big. And what I started realizing was 
The words purpose, dreaming with God, vision for your life, those sound really good on a mic and they sound really good in a post, (laughs) but we don't really know what that means because a lot of us aren't doing the dream thing that we want to do. And so it starts to feel like we're either in the dream of God or we're not in the dream of God, or we're on our way to the dream, but we haven't made it there yet. And so I begin to kind of pull apart, what does a dream mean in God? Like, what's a God dream? And there are five attributes to a God dream. And it's really, really clear. You know, it's motivational, it's inspirational, it's gravitational. And all of it's around the idea of Abraham receiving this dream and it wasn't, it didn't get complete the next day. They had to go on a journey to accomplish the dream. So then I started thinking about what makes a God dream and how do you find the God dream in your life? And I began to realize, wait a minute, there are markers in our lives that point to the direct purpose and passion that God has placed us on this earth to do and to become. And so I started talking about outlining my life, like beginning Mm. to see where were the markers. So those journeys are simple. One of those are, what are the encounters that God has done in your life? I like to take my my life in about seven-year increments. You can do 10, depending how old you are or how young you are, might be five. But you begin to kind of see, okay, in the first seven years of my life, when did God encounter me? Was it a praying grandmother? Was it, uh, did I get saved? Did I have an encounter where I saw something prophetically? I don't know what it was, but I have not found anyone that I've ever shared this with that hasn't had one moment in their life where there was a there was some kind of connection that God was trying to make with them. And then the second set of kind of markers are actually pain points. Mm which doesn't really feel great when you start thinking about it. We kind of want to divorce our pain and be like, okay, God, yeah, God, you had a purpose in it. I don't know what it was, but you had a purpose. But I found a couple things, and that is pain does not have a purpose unless you give it a purpose. And that is what God invites you into. So you can either be miserable and live miserable and die miserable, or you can actually partner with God to have Him reframe and redefine the pain. And for me personally, it was postpartum depression. And I went through that three times. And that was back in the day when we didn't talk about depression and going and seeing a therapist. And I remember somebody saying to me, that's great that you're getting help, but don't let anyone know. Because if you let them know, they're going to think that counselors are and medicine are their help and God is their help. So I hid that for many years. Yeah. And finally, I started to understand the power of finding someone who's actually anointed to talk you through things of the soul, right? Your mind, will, emotions, those things that need to be healed and renewed. But I also found that at the end of it, I asked God, God, why would you allow me to go through it three times? Like the first time, yeah, I went to the doctor and I went to my counselor and I got a medication and I walked my way through this deep, dark depression. And then six months in in the journey, I remember checking my pills and starting going, I'm all good, I'm all good. Then getting pregnant again, going through the same dark night of the soul getting pregnant again, going through the same dark night of the soul. And I said, God, why would you allow this? Mm. And he said, you know, have if I had delivered you the first time, I would have freed one of you. <laughs> I would have freed one person. But if I let you walk out of freedom three times, then you get a roadmap to freedom. Mm. And now you get to help a lot of people get free. And I think a lot of our people that are listening and, you know, people that we get to talk to all the time, it feels painful if it's just for pain. But if it's really for purpose, that now, now I know how to get out of depression and I could talk to anybody and say, this, these things work, 
I now have power. So not to belabor the point, but you take your encounters, you take your pain points, you take your gifts and talents, the things that you're really good at and people actually acknowledge. And then you take your covenants, which are your relationships. So there are divine relationships that God placed in your life throughout your life. Some are seasonal, some are lifetime, some are for a reason. And you outline that and you begin to see why, why did God do that at that specific time in my life? And you begin to see the hand of God. So those are key things you can do today to begin to see how God was moving and walking in your life, even if it felt like God wasn't there. If you outline the encounter, the pain, the gifts, the talents, and the relationships, you start to steward that, you begin to see it. So we really, that's really part of the journey is yeah. discovering what that is. And then lastly is dreaming with God is exciting, but there are two different things that you encounter. You encounter your identity and your identity never changes. So Abraham was a, was a son of God, whether he did all the things God had for him or, or he didn't. He was a son of God because his identity never changed. So if you are walking around and you grab a penny and one penny's brand new and the other penny's all beat up and ran over, if I ask you, what's the value of those? You would say the same. And I would say, but they don't look the same. The creator of the penny de- decides what the value is. And that's how we live, right? The, the, the value comes from our creator, not by how we live or what we look like. But our effectiveness does change. So our value doesn't change, but our effectiveness does. And that's what dreaming with God looks like is becoming more effective on the earth. I love that. I know. It's a long answer. But it, that's no, what but I think you laid it out beautifully. And what I can attest is, I mean, I go back, we've known each other I mean, almost about 10 years. And um, I've just seen that not only do you live that out in your own life, but you're constantly helping people to actualize it in their lives. You had said something earlier and you said, it's not profound, but it's practical. And I'm going to push back because I'm listening to this and I'm just like, this This is incredibly profound. It's very simple, but it's really, really profound. Mm. And I love that you're putting tools into people's hands so that they can dream again. But a huge component of dreaming is, or even just road mapping. Where did God show up? Um, was it Who was it through? Was it through an actual yeah. person? Was it through God speaking? One of the people that really kind of like pushed me to think theologically about how God speaks to his people is you. And so I'm excited because I know that you have a book coming out in October of 2023. It's coming out in a couple months. And I just yeah. love how you put such practical handles around the, this concept of hearing from God. Now, I'm going to pause, and we need to dialogue about this first. I'm going to ask why, and then I want you to kind of talk about the how. So um, when we talk about dreaming, I think people feel really overwhelmed because they're like, I don't even know where to begin. So you're providing practical handles, but I'm going to advocate that if we build a dream for ourselves, I think it's admirable and wonderful. But if we walk into a dream that the Lord has given to us, I feel like that's supernatural and the net is so wide with what we can do when we step into and build out that stream. So first of all, why do you think people are afraid of the voice of God or their inability to hear from God? And then I want to talk really through like the how, because I know you've experienced the voice of God at such a young age and you're helping other people, but, but why do you think Christians are reticent to actually think that God can speak to them? I think that we have been presented with the voice of God by very unique ways in the Bible and the unique ways of the people that we've led. They kind of are like, well, this is how I hear God, so you can hear God this way. And we get stuck asking the question, what is God saying? Mm -hmm. Like we've all sat there and we've cried, God, what are you saying? What do you mean to do? And we've pleaded and begged, but we've never asked the question, 
how was I created to hear? And that was really something I did not really come to know until many years of my faith. I realized that I was hearing God. I just didn't hear God the way that it had been taught to me. And once I understood the filter in which God created me, the way that He was actually speaking to me, then my whole world opened up. But most of us are saying, God, what are you saying? And we may not know like, okay, I don't know if I want to hear God fully, but I know that we all are faced with core questions that no one in our life is capable of answering. And that scares us. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. Say that again. So we we all are faced with core questions, core things that each of us are faced with that we know there is not there's no one in our life that is capable of answering that question at the deepest level. Mm-hmm. We just know it. And so we hear, you know, okay, our pastor says this and our counselor says this, but our first filter is, but you don't know me. You don't know me. And when we're getting advice from someone that we believe doesn't know us, then there's there's not an openness to understand that their intentions toward us is good. And so part of the reason we don't want to hear God is we don't really believe His intentions toward us are good. So who wants to talk to an angry, disappointed, distant dad, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk to a dad that's mad at them. And so it's, you know, if you've ever known your dad was mad, I'm sure you did this with your siblings, and you knew mom or dad was mad. And so you said, go in the room and go find out what's going on. Because you don't want to walk in the room and hear it. You're like, I don't want to go in there. I'll face, I'm going to face all that. So we do the same thing with God's voice. We're like, okay, pastor, go find out what God says and then tell it to me because at least I can get a buffer because I think deep down, we don't think he has anything really good to say about us or to us. And I think that's painful. 100%. So I vividly remember you talking about this particular story when you heard the voice of God and you were at a young age. And so a couple of things here, because there are some young people that listen to the show as well as parents of young people. I want you to kind of go back to that moment where you heard God speak to you and then kind of, I want to tease that out a little bit. I want to walk through for somebody out there that's hearing this. And maybe they're like, yeah, I do go to my pastor. I do go to my therapist. I do go to my spouse. I do go to my best friend to tell me, hey, what do you think God's saying? Uh, I want to tease that out a little bit, but for right now, can you take us on that journey? Because I love this story. I love this story. The first time that you like oh, felt like God spoke to you. Such a mess. Such a mess. I'm 17 years old, and I had just given my life to Christ that year wholeheartedly. I was a church girl, so I, you know, I played it cool in both places, like school <laughs> and church. I stayed under the radar. But God gave my heart to Christ wholeheartedly and said, I want to follow you at 17. Pretty soon we had heard that God was moving in a a church in Pasadena. And so my friend who was going to that church at that time said, come on down. You got to encounter this. God's moving. And I'm like ready for anything. I mean, I, first of all, it was a free free plane flight. So of course I'm going to LA. <laughs> but we hop on this flight, we go to this conference. And I have this identical twin sister, Deborah, And her and I are mirror twins. So I'm left-handed. She's right-handed. We look a lot alike. We sound exactly alike. Our husbands get us mixed up. Like it's real. <laughs> we, we are very similar. So this guy comes up to Deborah, my sister, and he says, I feel like you should, you need to pray for me. You have something for me. And my sister's like, okay, this has got to be a pickup line. Like this guy <laughs> walks over and says, I feel like you're supposed to pray for me. And so she is completely mortified and walks and she says, okay, well, I'll t- let me think about it. 
So she walks up to me and says, this guy over here wants me to pray for him. And I'm like, Deborah, you have to avoid that guy. That guy's crazy. Like, no, don't pray for him. Don't do anything. And again, we are not praying for people. Like that's not the vibe that Deborah and I are getting. Like we're just there to watch and participate. We're not church like pastors or prophetesses or anything like that. So we keep avoiding him all week long. I mean, all week long. And he'd come up every once in a while, you ready to pray for me? And she'd say, no, not yet. And (laughs) You know, I don't feel like it's time. All the things that church people used to buy some time, I should say. And so finally, at the end of the night, we're, we're ready to leave. We've been having prayer and we get our stuff to leave. And, he, and all of a sudden, she feels a tap on her shoulder and she looks over and it's the same guy. And he says, I think, can you pray for me now? It's the last night. Can you pray for me? And she knows I'm stuck. This is the last night. So she grabs... Uh, our friend Stacy, who's on the ministry team, she takes her, myself and another, uh, I guess there's the three of us. So we're standing in this on this gym floor. This guy's sitting there with his eyes closed and his hands out in front of him like he's going to receive something. And we're waiting for our friend Stacy to pray because she's, she's on the ministry team. She's going to pray. We're there. We're going to say a quick hallelujah and we're going to get out of there. So we're sitting there closing our eyes and all of a sudden Stacy is praying for him and she she says this, Havileh. I think you have something for him you need to share. And everyone's eyes are closed and my (laughs) eyes pop open to look at her like, I'm going to kill you. Like, don't call me out. I'm 17. I have nothing for this guy. But she has her eyes closed and she says this, just close your eyes and whatever God speaks to you, share it. So I close my eyes. My first thought is, McDonald's fries because it's I'm 17 and it's late at night. It's 1 a.m. in the morning and I'm hungry. And I realize I'm not going to tell this guy McDonald's fries. So I close my eyes again. To make a long story short, I hear the word Meshach. So I say to him, I feel like the name Meshach, does that mean anything to you? And the guy literally breaks down crying and like shakes and falls to the ground. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? Like, What? I know his name's not me, Shaq. I don't know what just happened. I still want McDonald's fries. I'm not feeling anything, <laughs> but I, I know something is happening. So all of a sudden we get up to leave. We say a few other prayers. Another guy is waiting and he pulls the other guy over. He goes, will you pray for this guy? I'm like, okay, whatever. Close our eyes. We're praying. And my friend Stacy says, Havala, I think you have something for this guy. And I'm like, Stacy, I'm thinking this. Stacy, I'm a twin, the other twin. I know we look alike. I already did it. I barely made it out this last time. Don't make me do it again. But she says, I think you have something. So I close my eyes and I hear the name of Bendigo. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is the same story in the Bible. Like the Bible, I'm going to say the same. Like, God, we have a lot of stories. I'm going to look like I only know one story. But I kind of was, to be honest, a little snarky. I'm 17. And my thought was, even if it doesn't minister to him, it's kind of his fault. Like he's pushing, <laughs> he's kind of pushing this. So it's his fault. So I, I say to him, you know, I feel like the name of Bendigo, the guy does the exact same thing, breaks down sh- crying, shakes, and just c- falls to his knees. I'm like, what is going on? Like, do I have the gift of names? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. Now there's like a little line forming. And finally, the next guy comes up. And of course, it's the, you know, the, the three Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach and Abednego. And then the other guy comes up and I get the name Daniel. They all four had the exact same experience. They have their arms around each other dying. I'm like, I don't know what is going on. This is the weirdest thing I've ever encountered. And they come up with like a band of brothers, their arms around each other. And the guy says to us, I know you hear this all the time, 
but I want you to know that a prophet came into our church last year and he pointed at each of us. We were all sitting in different places. He pointed at all four of us and he said, you're a Daniel, you're a Meshach, you're a Shadrach, and you're an Abednego. And he said, and that's exactly what you said. And I was, I was stunned. I was utterly stunned and thought, I don't know, this worked. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. (laughs) And of course, as every 17 year old, I looked at him and said, we do. We do hear that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I was not going to give him that. And so I thought that was it, but that was really my journey to hearing God. And it was high stakes, but I think because I was naive and I didn't know, I was able to practice. Yeah. And we started doing that for many, many years. And we would go to youth groups and camps and we'd clean houses on the weekday and then drive around California and minister prophetically. And we began to figure out how to hear the voice of God. And we really began to learn how to do that and teach others. Okay. So this is where I want to pivot for a second. So I love this. I love this. I love this. There's going to be a link in the show notes to some of your resources. And this is so much bigger of a topic. Okay. And I know that. And so I'm throwing you for a curveball, but um, I'm just going to be kind of like your friend, Stacy, and say, okay, Hava, I think you have a word for our <laughs> listeners right now. Okay. Don't hate me. Um, but for somebody out there that is like, I want to hear from God. And I love just like the simplicity of you being willing to even ask the question, does the name Meshach mean anything to you? So it's almost like, it's not like, thus saith the Lord. You know, you're literally inviting someone into this process. But for somebody out there that's like, I want to hear from God and I want to grow in this area. You have a book coming out. I've mentioned this before. Listen, I'm not pushing your book because you're giving me anything. I need every <laughs> listener out there to know. I'm pushing this book because right. I believe you in it. Not. And it doesn't even come out for several months. But when it does come out, there will be a link that people can push. I'll push it on social media. I just, I'm, I'm an ardent believer in the body of Christ being able to hear from our maker. And so give us an overview of your next book that's coming up, but also how to hear from God. So you have a book coming out called Created to Hear God. Yes. In the simplest form possible, how do we, how do we hear God? Well, as another fellow, I mean, I've watched you get up in front of thousands of people and share what was on your heart. So there's always a risk, right, in all Mm, of it. mm -hmm. But what we started to do was I began to minister. And again, this might kind of blow your mind. So I promise I I was my dad's an evangelist. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not inflating the numbers. But we would go in and, and prophetically minister over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people for almost eight years. And now it's been 20, almost 25 years. And I'm able to document that we've ministered over 25,000 people, individual words. Now, and Mm -hmm. I have some criteria around that. This is why I want want to give you context. So I'm not just saying something that I came up with. This is a strategy that I've used for 25 years. We record every prophetic word. It's not a parking lot prophecy. Like we record it. We let the person have it. If it doesn't speak to them, we own that. We, you know, I want you guys to understand. So this does not like some inflated idea. But when I began to teach people how to hear God's voice, I began to go back to how did I hear God? And then I had an identical twin sister who was hearing God entirely different as well. Mm -hmm. And then I have a dad who's very prophetic and we began to ask him. And what we found was that there were some really clear markers that we all had without knowing that we Mm -hmm. each were using it. And what I discovered was that there were four distinct ways that people often hear God. And they are here, which is people that hear words, phrases, 
not audibly, but in their mind's eye. They kind of get a word like Meshach. Uh, they they get a, maybe a, a, an idea. It's like God says, I feel like God's saying this. And they're the hearers in the room. They're kind of the traditionalists, like Samuel in the Bible, where it was like, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It's those. You guys, you're journalers. You're play-by-play people. You you hear God, and God is like constantly dialoguing with, to you and with you with words. You're a word person. That's how you encounter God. And I like to call you the hearers. That's who you are. You are the ears in the room. Then there are the seers in the room. And the seers, I they're the eyes of the room. They're the ones that are, they're the visionaries. They're the ones that they were asking God or God kind of encountered them and they get a picture. They get a visual. They're the ones that said, you know, I was I was there and I realized like, we need to build an orphanage or mm-hmm. I need to have this salon or I can see it. I'm going to create this, this brand or this concept. And, and we just know it. It's like, you see it, but here's how we know it's from God. When you saw the picture in your mind's eye, when you were able to see it, you immediately had faith for it. So that vision has a faith that, that is accompanied that's outside of what you would normally believe or even know is possible. So you are the seers. You see in, in co- pictures and colors, and often you're the dreamers. So some of you are prophetic dreamers. You go to bed at night, you wake up, and you might find that the next day something happens and you'll think, I had a dream about this. And, or somebody will tell you something and you'll think, you know, God, I had a dream that that's what happened. And if you actually start stewarding your dreams, writing them down, sitting on them, praying for them, eventually you'll begin to see that God's been talking to you in your dreams. You're a seer. The -hmm. third type of personality, I call it prophetic personalities is kind of what I'm calling it. And that's my name. You're not, don't Google prophetic personality, find in your Bible. It's just kind of some, a concept to kind of help you understand is the knower. Now, this is what's really important. A knower is someone who intuitively and instinctively knows what they know. It's like they just know in their knower what God is saying or what they need to do or what needs to happen. And they're kind of the light bulb in the room. They just, they're the people that they don't have this big encounter. They're not hearing and seeing and having all this experience. They just kind of know that they know. And that out of that history builds a confidence. Paul took Timothy instinctively. He just knew that Timothy was supposed to go and that's how it happened. Now, here's the crazy part. I'm a knower. So if you ask me, how do you hear God's voice? I would tell you, I don't have supernatural encounters. I don't have this unbelievable feeling and emotion (laughs) and hearing and seeing. None of that. I just have this uh, Meshach. That's interesting. I wonder why I just know I'm supposed to say Meshach. So the knowers are the ones that feel like the heathens in the room. They feel like they've (laughs) never heard God. Or you're married to somebody or you're, you're in, you have a friend or someone in your life that you think, do they ever hear God? They're probably knowers. So calm down. Yes, that's how they know that they know and they build through history. And then lastly is our feelers. And this actually, with all the studies, and we've actually tested over 150,000 people on these prophetic personalities. And our data shows that the highest percentage of people hear God in feelings. It's actually where God encounters them. Mm. And we often think those things of like, well, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to let our feelings lead. We're not supposed to, but just follow me for a minute before you write me off. God encounters feelers in an, in an unprecedented way in their emotions. They're usually intercessors. They're people that when they are in an environment, they feel the heart of God. 
they feel what God wants to do. They, mm-hmm. they encounter Him. And you, God is not afraid of emotions. I mean, if He was, He wouldn't have put the Scripture, Jesus wept as a full stop sentence. <laughs> Jesus wept because He wanted us to know that emotions are good and they're, they're healthy and they point to what's going on the inside. So feelers are usually intercessors. They're usually people that feel things and they think it's just them. Maybe they were taught that they were too emotional. They grew up believing, like they'd go into environments and certain environments would feel right and then other environments would feel bad and they would go, what's going on? And usually if they'll if they'll follow it and they, they grow up as healthy feelers, they feel something, they check if it's theirs or if God's trying to get their attention and then they give that back to God through prayer. That's how a healthy feeler operates. They don't take the room down with them, but they're able to use it as a, as prayer and it gives insight. I I actually had a really hard time with feelers for a long time. <laughs> my husband's a feeler. My dad's a feeler. My PA, my first PA of six years was a feeler. And what I found was that if I asked them, what do you feel like God's doing right now in this room? They were in tune. They would say, I feel like God wants to break through this way or God wants to do this. And instead of me resenting, going, okay, whatever, let's just do what we got to do, I now can lean in and say, that's interesting. And they've given me more insight into atmospheres and what's going on in the spirit than anybody. So those are really what they are. Can you be bilingual? Absolutely. Can you have all of them operating in your life? I think you should have all of them operating in your life. But what we want to do for those that don't know how to hear God, we want to unpack that. So at least you can win in one of them and then begin to build the muscle and grow in the other ones. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for this resource. I believe it's going to be such an asset to the body of Christ. I am so grateful for you. I love how you lead and how you live um, in all aspects, from the relational to the spiritual to the prophetic. I am grateful for your voice. I can't wait to get a copy of this book. I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud to see like what you are doing and where you're at and how many people you get to help along the way. Havala, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you, and um, I'm so grateful for your time. I love you so much. I'm proud of you. And as another woman in the trenches that is hearing God's voice and and making him known on the earth, I am so honored to be on your podcast. And I just think that anybody who gets to be with you leaves a better person. I love you. Love you too. Like I said, Havla is full of wisdom and grace and insight, and she's dedicated to putting together resources. For more information, you can go to HavilaCunnington.com. Her link is in the show notes, as well as following her on social media at Havla Cunnington. If this podcast has benefited you or blessed you in any way, you can subscribe at Access More or wherever you download your podcast. Thanks, friends. Can't wait to connect next week.